that do swing a little bit to the left, even though I do see them as conservative. Um, but some of the, our values as, 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 uh, as a fraternity um, are free speech rights, no matter how uh, our First Amendment wasn't made for speech that you kind of disagree with. It's meant for probably the most horrific speech that you can think of, because that's how we have uh, an exchange of ideas where we listen to other people's ideas, even if they're horrible, right? We'll, we'll know what not to do. Uh, we're big on our Second Amendment rights with our gun rights. Um, we, we feel like the American family is under attack right now. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a statistic that kind of uh, is a big deal in America are mass shootings. So do you know what 23 of the past 26 mass shootings have in common? Um, and if you guys, if your listeners don't know that answer, it's fatherless homes, right? A, a single mother, uh, being a single mother is the hardest job that there is in the world, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're creating weaker men that make single mothers. Um, so when you ask what our goal is, there's no political goal. All we want to do is make better men better husbands, better brothers, and better uh, better fathers is, is our primary goal. Well, that's a good answer, but I mean, you started out as a drinking, a, a drinking group, and it has evolved into, into what it is now. Um, I can, every, every American family, American person can identify with that, with that answer, but some people, some people think that you are, you are, it's much more than that. You know what I mean? That that sounds like like a perfectly a perfectly good answer. But why during this time? Why is the movement so prevalent during this time? Why now? So um, then let's expand to how uh, what it kind of morphed into without us wanting it to morph into that. It was a joke. It was just a drinking club. It still is a drinking club. But <laughs> um, we would go out. And uh, specifically during the events of the inauguration of uh, 2016, uh, we were attacked and we dared to fight back. Uh, and when we did, the media went crazy because it was the first time during this, this period of, of leftist aggression that Republicans dared to fight back. And we were demonized for it, but we were also paraded for it because um, there was a lot of people that that were getting assaulted there was a lot of people that were were throwing eggs at people uh there was people that were like myself they've thrown glass bottles of urine bags of feces explosive device they've spit on my face uh, for my views and it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on when you use violence to intimidate people it's actually called uh for a political cause it's called terrorism Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and we denounce all forms of terrorism, but one thing that we're not going to do is we're not going to sit back and take it. Uh, we are going to fight back every time. Um, so we've kind of become this de facto security force, per se, without ever being hired to do anything, uh, where we just show up and, and people, rally-goers, or at political events get attacked. We're usually the guys that stand in the way of that. Well, don't they have law enforcement for that? Don't they have the police? <laughs> Uh, I think, yes, they do. That's our first line of defense. That's why they're called first responders. But as we see in some of these cities uh, where there's absolutely no police presence, uh, like the streets of Portland, which I've gone uh, numerous times in the past four years, um, streets of Kenosha, um, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Los Angeles. I mean, I could do this all day. You know, 
when somebody breaks into your house, right, uh, you know, you can call the cops if you want, but they're not going to make it there on time. And I'm not saying that we don't depend on police officers, good, good police officers, to do their job. Um, when, when the president says law and order, um, I think too much law and order is bad. But when he says law and order, I believe he's saying for these cities that aren't allowed uh, to use their police force. Um, and for us, uh, there was a, there was a what, big What do you mean not allowed to use their police force? Not interrupt yes. you, but our taxpayer dollars pay for, for safe policing, proper policing. So you're acting like uh, there are states and cities that are just lawless that need you. Why would they need the Proud Boys? And I'm a taxpayer. I'm not paying to the Proud Boys. I'm paying to uh, the police department. Have you seen the streets of Portland burn where they're shooting people in the streets for their political views, where they're burning down buildings, where they're throwing Molotov cocktails? Is, isn't this as a result of, uh, of all of these police shootings? Isn't this part of this? I mean, people are protesting in 50 states. And, and all these different countries. Isn't this uh, a residue of all of that? It's not like it's normally like that. Yeah, well, uh, it started out that way, yes. So when, when uh, the incident with George Floyd happened, we actually were gonna join uh, in protest for George Floyd's life. Um, I made a quick decision and I said, wait a second, let's wait about you know, two to three days, just to see how things pan out, and make sure that these things don't turn into riots, which they did. Um, I don't see how rioting and burning cities down honors the life of George Floyd or uh, does anything to, to bring justice to this. Uh, Martin Luther King, right, uh, did everything that he did during the civil rights movement very peacefully. He Absolutely. didn't burn things down. And, and I believe right now, in the, in, and when you ask me, are, why aren't, that you're asking me if, if police are doing their job, they're not. In Portland, they're not doing their job. In, in Kenosha, they're not doing their job. They're allowing this to happen, right? Black businesses are being burned. Uh, people are getting shot in the streets. Uh, this is mayhem. This isn't civilization. This isn't civilized society. Right. Then, it, then uh, I would say to you, if it's not civilized society, government doesn't this lie in the government's? Uh, it's it's a responsibility of the government, not the proud. I mean, I I'm understand saying, where you. I'm, I, not saying, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying we come in as some type of police force and we mm -hmm. do the police jobs for them. Mm -hmm. But if the president and the police do not act, we will act. Okay. Okay, I'm from, New, I'm, New, I'm from New York. I'm, I'm trying to get it. We used to have the guardian angels who used to ride the trains and police the trains and, and work with the police. So I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to take I'm trying to let my mind go there. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why I was debating at the time to join the protest for George Floyd is because there is absolutely people that think that police brutality is good are awful people, right? And we are for... People think, like to think of us as an anti-government organization. We're not. We're for limited government. We do want to limit the government. But um, that is why we wanted to, to join these protests when they were protests. There's a difference between protesters and rioters, and I'm going to give you a, a, a personal story. I was down here in Miami, and there was a, there was a protest for George Floyd's life. 
but at the same time, there was a parade, a Trump uh, parade, uh, coming down the street. And before, there was, they desecrated the Christopher Columbus statue. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take a look at the Christopher Columbus statue, not knowing that there was a giant crowd coming down, right? They came with bats, they came with spray paint, they came to take the statue down. So I stood in between them and the statue, and they sat quietly. It was actually very peaceful after that. They sat quietly, they, they, they took a knee, and uh, I didn't bother them. And then later, after, they walked away, and I had this older um, black gentleman that came up to me, and he's like, hey, why don't you support BLM? And I'm like, who, who, who was it that told you that I don't? And he's like, oh, you're one of those proud boy guys. You're anti-BLM. And I said, no, absolutely not. I, I actually think what happened to George Floyd was an injustice. And um, and whatever we started, we started talking, and we kind of like vibed uh, on that subject, and we kind of understood each other more. But then I told him, I, I said, uh, movements in, in history have are known to be co-opted, right? Um, and right now, there's a small percentage of those BLM protesters, right, which are anarcho-communists, which are usually Antifa, that are the ones that start these riots. They're the ones that want to burn things down. They're the ones that have a different agenda than the, the, the black community that has suffered, right? Well, um, and I, I made the perfect example because I told him, well, standing right next to you is somebody that thinks like that. And he's like, oh, no, that's a lie. She probably doesn't. Walk over. And I asked Karl Marx. I'm Cuban, by the way. Mm -hmm. And my two of my family members were executed uh, and of Jacob Barra. So the, the most offensive thing that you could do to me is is is, is wear like a t-shirt. But I've never I've never said anything to people that wear t-shirts. So I asked her, "What do you think of Che Guevara?" And she goes, "Oh, that was a great man for equality, um, and he used to hate blacks and he hated gays too." And um, and we kept going. I asked her, "Oh, what do you think about uh, burning down uh, these these businesses and stuff?" And they're like, "Oh, that's property. That's not people." Um, and that's when he snapped at her, and he told her that that's not what they were there for. Yeah, they well, were there to I, I would just, I would just have to say, in any movement that I've studied, uh, you know, there've been infiltrators. There were infiltrators with Malcolm X. There've been infiltrators with uh, Martin Luther King. So, with any movement, and there's been misinformation. If you want to talk about people, Mahatma Gandhi, he wasn't for he he, he discriminated against the Africans. He didn't like the Africans. So, there's a lot of misinformation. So, but what gives that a, people the right to say that? That's part of that movement. If that's a small percentage of infiltrators, so that doesn't. I mean, that's like saying the infiltrators would negate everything that Martin Luther King did. That you know, the people people are out there getting. You know, they were rioting then, and people were uh, protesting peacefully. But still, the the message did not get lost, and we're benefiting off of that of that message. So it just seems it just seems to I don't mean to up, interrupt you. That, that just doesn't seem like a good enough excuse for all of this. It's a small, small percentage. Yeah, well, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It doesn't, it doesn't represent the movement as a whole. Um, but there's a common enemy with the people, right? Regardless if they think however differently they think. The media likes making villains, 
because mm-hmm. they make money out of villains. They make money out of BLM. They make money out of uh, they make money out of villainizing BLM. They make money out of villainizing the Proud Boys. They make money out of villainizing movements, right? Movements that are probably in in the history of America. Um, activists usually have they they're called extremists by the media, and that goes with Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm mm-hmm. X, and many others that came before them. Rosa Parks, you know, she mm-hmm. dared. Mm-hmm. To, to sit in front of the bus mm-hmm. um, but there's something that that we do have if, if we keep under uh, fighting about what we don't have in common we forget what we do have in common right um, so I I took a leap and I sat down with uh, a leader of one of the BLM chapters in Utah we did that in secret and uh, it was a very volatile conversation between me and her in the beginning but then we started understanding things that we did we did agree on so two of our tenants right are closing pre- prisons for profit private prisons mm-hmm. and another thing is uh, the war on drugs the failed war on drugs that has put so many people in jail um, predominantly African Americans um, and and for profit that's, that's what they do so the media spins uh these movements as uh, terrorist movements. Uh, police officers and federal agents put us in chains. And there's a private corporation that profits from having us in that system. Mm-hmm. Now, we could disagree with who we like for president. I'm a big supporter of the president, right? Obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big supporter of the president. Now, all of the Proud Boys support the president, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I saw I saw I saw in your interview um, some past footage that you said that you have liberals and a very diverse uh, members yeah. of your organization in, in different mm-hmm. chapters all over the world. And um, we've I've, always, from the beginning, in the application to become part of our fraternity, we don't ask you what color you are. We don't ask you what your religion is. We don't ask you what your cultural background is. We don't care. If if you think that the Western civilization is the best and you were born a man, uh, you can be part of our organization. If you were born a woman, then you can join our women's club. So, uh, but, okay, I got you back. I lost you. Go ahead. Um, so you have a women's club too. <laughs> yeah, we have a so that's the club. only thing that's the requirement to be a proud boys or proud girl. You just yes. need to love Western civilization. Yes. And what's the other one? And, and yeah, be a man. Yeah. Oh, you need to mean to be a man or yeah, you be a woman. It's unfortunate that we have to, in 2020 we have to say that you've been born a man. That you have to be born a man. Oh, born a man. Okay, I, I'm yeah, getting. I'm getting so the right semantics of it because I, I, I mean, I, I, like, uh, your perception, the perception of the of Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. I, I, I needed to know what was the difference because it, it's a lot of groups out there. You got Bloods, you got Crips, you got Latin Kings, you got MS-13, Hells Angels, Pagans, Skinheads, and, and, and what we call gangs. So I needed to know why this group is not considered a gang. You know, so I'm, everything you're telling me, this is good stuff here. It's, it's, yeah. It sounds sweet like sugar, but they 
They got you labeled as a hate group, as a as a domestic terrorist group. And from what you're telling me, this don't sound like a domestic terrorist group. This sounds like a kumaya fraternity. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if, if the media would report on us accurately, we would we wouldn't be a story. We are uh, we are a very boring story, to be honest with you. Um, the left has been burning down cities for the past four months, and they needed a boogeyman. And they mentioned this, Joe Biden, and I thank him for it. Joe Biden mentioned this in the first debate. I understand that we're not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. Get it completely. We cuss like sailors. We fight. Um, but the definition of a gang would be you have to be committing illegal activity, uh, either running guns, selling drugs, or something like that. And that's not what we do. As a matter of fact, every time, every video, and, and your viewers can look this up, every video uh, that you see about us, we've always been in a defensive posture. We don't go confront people. We'll usually go host an event and somebody wants to trash our event. They'll come to us. And I fully support people protesting us, but they're not trying to protest us. I have uh, the, the amount of death threats that I've been getting just in the past two weeks uh, is ridiculous. Uh, I've always had it, but it's increased uh, tenfold in the past couple of weeks. Um, and it's because they, they demonize us, but you also said, well, CNN says you're a hate group. Well, Fox News says that BLM is a terrorist group. Yeah, I got so, you. And I, I, I feel you on all of that. I feel you on all of that. So what do we believe? And that's why you're here today on the Kathy Cash Show. So we can get some clarity because you are, are you aware that this country has had a long is history in regards to African Americans being pit against each other in a public forum uh, to push an agenda for people that historically have oppressed them. So yes. from the Afro-American point of view, when we see a black male head of an organization that is funded by or, or moves to have an agenda with people that may have not had our best interests, what we look at it is that we're almost conspiracy theorists. We look at it like, there we go again with the divide and conquer, you know, so... Are you aware that you're being looked at like that from our community? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully aware of it, and that's why I like coming on shows like this. Uh, okay. With I, I, I don't know where your political ideology is. I, I honestly, it, it's, it's not about the political ideology. No, no, I understand, but it, it just doesn't. I don't. I don't want to know where your political. Yeah, it's not political. Shows like this yeah. with with, mm -hmm. with hardball questions. Mm -hmm. So I can answer these things. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an organization that's about, and I, I get the conspiracy theory because, uh, well, I'm going to tell you this. So in the history of slavery, America was one of the many villains, right? Mm -hmm. But it was also the only hero for it alone abolished slavery, right? And I know that we still have a long way to go, right? We still have to make progress. And like I said, I think... Uh, Western culture is the best culture in America, is the best uh, country in the world, but we still have a lot to work on. But one thing that we can't do is segregate ourselves, right? So when people, uh, and, and the first thing people do, and this doesn't matter what, what their thing is, they're like, oh, well, you know what? This guy's black. So, and I don't want to be put in a box. I hate being put in, in a box. Why is my color, why is my color 
the only thing that identifies me as a person. I'm an individual. And, and if this was a perfect country, because yeah. we come from 400 years of this experience yeah. and free labor, you're always going to have that battle. You're always going to be seen as that before you open your mouth. So That's in a perfect world, I didn't say. No, I know you didn't, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying, why am I going to victimize myself? Uh, the, the, the greats, right? You got you got uh, Floyd Mayweather, Tyson. Uh, you got you got people like Martin Luther King. You got you got these these titans that didn't victimize themselves. They empowered themselves. So if if I sit here and I go through my African history and I sit here and I, I think about what happened in the past 400 years, you know what? I'm not going to get anything done. You know what? I'll bring it up. I'll be like, hey, this is this is, and I'm not saying that there isn't a long way to go yeah. to fix this. But if we keep if we keep playing the victim, it, it, you you are what you believe you are. I got so if you. you keep telling the world that you are a victim. That's exactly what you're gonna be. Got you. So, I'm not. I've never. We've never. Yeah. And I don't know anyone that I know that's playing the victim card. They're playing the truth card because some yeah. people don't want to look at the truth because it's so ugly and so horrific. So when I start looking at words as domestic terrorists, the first thing I look at is the history of African Americans in this country. So being the truth. We're not giving the truth. And when you deny the history, how can you learn? How can you move forward? So the victimization part, I cannot agree with you with that because people don't even truly know their history. It was, so, it was a lot of countries. You come from Cuba, the Congo, and, and history where people were killed for even speaking about their history. So history is important. So, it I, it, so being a being a victim, taking on a victim's mentality, or denying your history is two different things. Or acting like the history did not even exist is three different things. So I understand the victim part. I I agree with you, but it's still victimization going on. It's still systemic racism going on. It's still things going on that that we're not working with a, le a level playing field. So do we not talk about it because we don't want to play the victim role when it's right, when it's the truth? No, you could, you, you could talk about it, but uh, until, you don't, uh, until we don't talk about solutions to this, then we're not, we're not going anywhere. I'm going to give you the prime example, right? Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a BLM thing. This gotcha. is a riot thing, right? Um, so uh, people in Michigan took their firearms and took over the state capitol building, right? And they, they protested the, the lockdowns by getting into, uh, by going into the Capitol. These people were, were considered terrorists, right? And then these riots, right? They were burning down cities and these people are heroes, okay? And the reason why I think it's, the, it's role reversal in this hand, and I'm only talking about those people that are, are, are burning down businesses, taking down statues and all of that. Because the people with the firearms that went to the Capitol, they went directly to the problem. They knew that the governor and the government of Michigan was the problem. But these rioters aren't going directly to the problem. The oppressors right now are the government, right? If, if, if you're, if you're uh, protesting police brutality, that's the government. Don't burn people's businesses and people's families' uh, homes down 
because you're not you're not gaining any friends. Are you talking you're, about you're the same group that went to uh, to state capital on FBI found out they were trying to kidnap, plan to kidnap the governor? And, uh, are you talking about the same group because they were mixed up in that group? Excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry, but that is not the same group. Okay. Those are two different groups, okay. and one of them was actually a BLM activist, mm -hmm. and another one was an uh, uh, an anarchist. Okay. okay. The, the reason so, I'm saying that we don't want the message to get lost in the source I, I, with I, I, different I, people's agenda. It's the same thing happening pretty much on both sides. But when you point out the greats through history, the greatest thing, our greats come from our historical black colleges. Our greats come from scientists and our, and our people in theology and our doctors and our brilliant minds. My issue with all of this is, even with the coronavirus and what I'm seeing, we're losing brilliant minds. Herman Cain. <laughs> we can't afford as a, as a people to lose brilliant minds over nonsense. At, you know what I'm saying? This, we don't have that many black billionaires. <laughs> you can count them. You know what I mean? So when we lose brilliant black people senselessly, it hurts because they, they create our jobs. They create our structure. They create our black banks. So I'm not talking about celebrities. Great. More power to celebrities, basketball players and everything. Some of them have more net worth than some black banks out there. I'm talking about the brilliant minds that make decisions for our people and that are sitting, have a seat at the table. You know what I mean? So I, 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 what, what, when do we deal with truth? So I wanted to have this conversation with you because you're a black man and I wanted to see, my questions came from, you said you, you, you're Cuban-American. So you're really passionate about uh, not being part of communists or socialism and stuff like that. But the average African-American knows what went on in this country. They cannot denounce that people have been killed and people, cities have been burned, not by these protesters. We have making over $500 a day. That was back in the day and the whole city got burnt down. You know what I'm saying? So that affects us to this day. That affects our economic stability to this day because we had our own city rotating our own money. Uh, and, so, and, and, and domestic terrorist Caucasian came in with crop, crop planes and dynamite and burnt down those cities. That too, wrong is wrong regardless. I'm not okay, saying so, those so, those protesters I, I, are right with what they're saying. I 100 agree with you. I, I told you that we have a long way to go. Okay. But what's your solution? My solution is this is the Kathy Cash show. My solution is <laughs> always going to be love, baby. <laughs> it's always going to be positivity and yeah. understanding. Having these type of conversations and dialogue instead of people talking at each other and using their lame excuses not to get along. One of my questions to you is have you noticed that, that the climate has changed? What I've noticed is the climate has changed. It's really volatile. And it was volatile way before Corona. It was volatile way before, um, before George Floyd uh, took a knee to his neck. It was volatile way before that. Of course. Yeah, it's always been volatile. This, this, the country was built on rebellion. So we're always going to rebel no matter what group it is. Uh, no matter what the ideology is, but we went through it in the civil rights movement, we went through it in the 70s during the anti-war movement, and we've always come together um, after that and had some type of semblance and some type of peace. Um, yeah, but the country has done that. The black community has caught, 
hell here in the 1700s, 1600s, 1500s, 1600s. So the country as a whole, that's great, but we as a people didn't even have a seat at the table until the, until the early 1900s. So that the voting, the Voting Rights Act, what I'm looking at, what 1965, we we're just getting a voice. So a lot of these things you're talking about in a broad spectrum, when it comes down to African Americans, we, we're at the bottom of the totem pole. You know what I'm saying? We're receiving any of these American values. Why do you put yourself at the bottom of the totem pole? That's the way we, that's, that's, that's the way, I'm not putting myself, the country put us yeah. there. The country put us there through slavery. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're, you're you instantly, instantly I see that you go for, because I, I, I understand where you're coming okay. from. Okay, maybe I'm not relaying it properly. But I think, I, I think what you're, what my arguments and then like when, when you counter, not counter my arguments, but, but when you counter me, mm -hmm. um, you always revert back to, this is what happened in the past. Listen, we, we both agree that, uh, I think I think we both agree that there is a history there. But in order to move forward, yes, you read the history, but you look forward, right? Yes. And you're not going to do this by just focusing on either your community. you got to focus on the community as a whole. They called me a white supremacist. They called me a fascist. <laughs> They've called me all names. How is that possible? <laughs> They've thrown, yeah, I know. I They've thrown pee on me. They've thrown poo on me. They've spit on my face. I've been. They've thrown explosives at me. Right? Okay. And I'm still here. But no, I, I, I want to move forward. I want my community to move forward. But how do we do that when you have another community that's that has been benefiting off of your community? It's free labor 400 years and systemic racism. How do we move forward with these massive issues if we don't acknowledge they even exist? Yeah, uh, well, we, we've already acknowledged, at, at least... No, if the, if, the, if the other group, not me and you, we get it. Yeah. If another yeah. group that has been benefiting off of white privilege for all of these years don't get it, how do we help educate them? Because a lot of them don't know. They don't know the history. So when I go back to the history, how do you... A lot of them didn't even know that police were out there killing black men. They heard about it. They dis they de they denounced it, but until they seen videos, all of a sudden, the light was shined. Oh, black people been getting killed by police before I was in bone. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Somebody that has a great solution, and somebody that I kind of disagree with politically, but we agree more than 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 than. Uh... Than normal is somebody, an acquaintance of mine by the name of Killer Mike. I don't know if you know. Yeah, Killer, Killer Mike. Mike. Yeah, out of Atlanta. Mike, out of Atlanta. Yeah. Hey, Killer Mike. <laughs> you know, he's like, let's raise a black community. Let's let's get black banks together, black owned businesses. Like that's energetic. Yes. You get me? And then after, when you when you build that, that's 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 what that's what needs to be built. We built our communities, but as a whole, as America, yes, we can do those things. But we have to think of the country as a whole. I'm an America first guy, right? And and what I was about to finish was, yes, I've been called all these things: white supremacist, blah 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 blah. But you know what I am at the end of the day? I'm an American supremacist. I don't care about uh, what. What anybody has to say about that, I love this country, and I feel like there's so many people on the streets, living on the streets, and we're, we're the most charitable country in the world, right? We give these, all this money to, to, to foreign nations that don't effing need it, 
okay? There's there's homeless people on the streets, homeless veterans, homeless African-Americans, homeless everything. Cubans are on the street, and we need to take care of them first. I believe it. I, I understand where you're coming from in regards to that. Um, I'm American. I was born in this country. I love this country, and I hate when people think because I'm talking about the issues in the black community, they think that I'm less patriotic. That's the position a lot of black people have been put in. When you want to talk about the truth, that has nothing to do with the patriotism. The history of this country, of African Americans in this country, and what we've been through have nothing to do with the patriotism and allegiance to this country. We, we're probably, probably way more patriotic than what we're getting credit for. We vote. We vote in high numbers. We go fight in the military. We've done this when we couldn't even we couldn't when we were segregated. When everything was segregated, we still love this country. But are we getting the respect? Have we ever really gotten the respect? Because you have to de you have to demand it. Okay. I didn't get any respect when I went to go speak on stage in D.C. and I had to demand that. I had to demand that. I had to go ahead. And, and push people. So when these people are pushing us back, and, and that doesn't matter what community you're in, you give them the middle finger, and you you, you push forward no matter what, because your beliefs, uh, no matter no, no matter what they are, you have to fight for them, right? Because this is what that con the country was founded on that principle. At least we could agree on that. It was founded on the principle of free speech. So use our voices, but the moment that we use violence, it's all over. That's it. It's over. We've lost everything. Everything that we've worked for is gone. I'm glad they, I'm glad you think that way. I have another question because uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, this political, you've been on CNN, Proud Boys, Proud Boys, about these emails and the election and, uh, and, and the emails being linked to Russia and, and Iran. Why, why is your group involved in that? Why, why are you linked to that? What is that just something that propaganda? What is this? You want me to tell you why capitalism? So the Democratic Party, uh, well, both parties have, have a history of raising money through emotional, through tugging at people's heartstrings. So they needed a boogeyman. Biden thought we were that boogeyman. And Biden has raised millions and millions of dollars because of, he said, the Proud Boys. So he sends these emails to people this this uh, causing this fear, which is very dangerous for me and my group because um, then people believe this and believe these lies and there's such outrageous lies that iran knew that this story would blow up so you know what iran did iran's like hey biden mentioned the proud boys you know what we should do we should pretend we're the proud boys and send these threatening emails that we never would send uh we're not a group that's funded externally you can't donate to us right there's nobody there's no donation link so we're self-funded so we don't have money to pay for mass email service and mass SMS service, uh, and we don't want to. We just want to be left alone. So you caught up. Your group has been caught up in politics. <laughs> no, no, more than politics. Politics, politics. Yeah, well, it's, it's more than politics too. So we we went from the debate stage, and now, yes, I, I mean, I woke up and I'm like, oh my god, how, how does this happen? How did we become uh, players in this international? cyber war that's going on right now between now, Iran and the United States. Let me tell you something. I, I, can, I can answer how you became uh, involved in this. I, I, can, I know the answer to this like I know a Jeopardy answer. The minute 
the president of the free world said, proud boys, stand back, but stand by. Boom! That's the answer. That's when you got thrown in the middle, baby. We're in Vegas. You got thrown in the middle. You understand that. You understand that. I kind of understand that from some of this interview. But how do you think, and that leads me to another question. How do you think people of color receive black people worldwide, 75 million of them, ears and eyes, perceived that statement at that particular time and this particular climate? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you two things. So it's it's I'm an individual, and however somebody else takes, I'm not responsible for that. But uh, there's such fear in, in 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 anything that goes on right now that people take things however they want to take them, and I'm not res- uh, I, I'm, again I'm not responsible for how they feel. But you need to look at it objectively because. Biden's, Biden was trying to equate this to white supremacists and militias. So I'd encourage that community that is fearful is to just look us up. Just talk to us. Okay. You know? That's uh, fair. We're, we're, we're not that scary. We're, we're, uh, I'm, I'm like, look at these No, arms, no, no. After, right? we're looking, after I looked at your look face, after this, I this looked at the face of a black oh, man, I wasn't scared at all. After I looked at the face of a black man, that was in the leadership position of the Proud Boys, I wasn't scared that much. That leads me to my next question when you talk about fear. Do you believe we're on the verge of a race war? Because I keep hearing this thing about the race war. It really makes me nervous. I'm nervous right now. I've been talking about it. (laughs) Do you believe we're on the climate? Do you believe this country is on the verge of a race war? Absolutely not. Thank you. Woo! I feel relieved. (laughs) Yeah, because... Again, it's the media that's spinning this thing. Remember, the media has to sell stories. And what sells the most is fear. It gets clicks, it makes them sell ads. But the truth is, we're not that divided. Go outside, go to your neighbor's house, go to the, 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 the supermarket. You talk to these people, and they, I, I'll meet with my sister, for example, is a big Biden supporter, and I make fun of her for that all the time. In a good way. Uh, I'm glad somebody in the family got some sense. (laughs) We we discuss politics, but we don't fight. The world's not as divided as uh, the little magic light box. Like, get off your phones, people. Get off your phones and live your life. Right? You only have one. Okay? Do as much with it as you can. Um, I think. I think if if Biden wins, right? Republicans aren't known for going out in the streets. And, 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 and turning things upside down. We're not Woo. known for that. Woo. So you do believe it'll be a peaceful transition of power if, well, I, I want to say once, <laughs> Biden wins. If, if Biden wins, it'll be a tweet storm from the president. But you know what? I'll accept it. You know, I accepted the eight years of Obama. I didn't agree with him almost on anything. But I didn't, I didn't scream at anybody because they were wearing an Obama shirt and Obama hat. I don't, I don't care. That's, that's somebody's freedom of expression. No, we, we, what, we're, what we're interested in, we don't care about the screaming, the yelling. Let me tell you something. And let's get, let's get, to, I must, let's get to where it's at. People are buying guns at an incredible way. And I'm scared. When I say I'm scared, because what is everybody buying these guns for? <laughs> 
is, and pick them ready to pop off in there. See, I don't. Answer you. Yeah, please. Now you have my answer. <laughs> Unarmed people are free people. Guns shouldn't scare you. And again, we were we were a country bound by weaponry. The but guns don't bad. scare me. It's the people that have the guns that scare me. <laughs> yeah, but there's no. Here's the thing. There's no statistics that'll show you that people are going to shoot you over politics. There's that's a very small. Like you have more chances of getting struck by. I think it was like four times. Bullet because of because of your politics. It's, it's not so about is, it's not about the politics in this country. People have been killed and shot over their race. This is why I asked yeah. you. Do you believe we're on a verge of a race war? It ain't about no, the politics, so. it's about the race, the history. I think yeah. there's nothing that we can do to legislate people killing each other. You know, there's nothing that we can do. Unless we change the culture, uh, there's nothing, absolutely nothing you can do. You can put 50,000, there's 22,000 gun laws in this country. How many more are going to keep us safe? Do you think 50,000? I, I encourage the African-American community to arm themselves. I think everybody should be a gun owner. We but better. Also, yeah. You know, learn how to use your weapon and use it. With the Japanese, the only reason that the Japanese didn't invade the American homeland is because they said that there'd be a gun behind every single blade of grass. Okay? Um, so we need to we need to accept that culture. And we not we can't live in fear of people buying guns. Yes, there is there is violence and there is people that shoot people over their other races but we need to focus on on like actual crime statistics on on what causes this and the what? number one cause of this is fatherless homes broken wait. families wait a minute wait a minute I, I gotta stop you the uptick right now and people buying guns has absolutely nothing to do with fatherless homes it has something to do with the climate that's going on well, right well, now. Just because you buy guns doesn't mean doesn't make the world more violent. That just means it's more guns. Okay, I'm talking about a climate, so we're gonna have to just agree to disagree. And I'm gonna yeah. get on to my next question because we're again running out of time. <laughs> um, uh, I just I see it a little differently, but I have a lot more clarity in talking to you. Uh, so I do appreciate you taking this interview. Um, yeah. My thing is. Uh, do you think there was enough commonality and empathy between immigrants in the United States and black people that are born born here? Because it seems like we got a lot of similarities and it seems like and, and we have a lot in common about about where we've been where we've been and how we feel about this country. So why why is there any differences? Do you see a disparity? Yeah, there is a disparity. There's yeah, I mean we're talking about uh, completely different cultures like the Cuban culture is completely different than the Puerto Rican culture. We're, we're brought up differently. So yes, there is a culture disparity and there is there is certain things that, that are different um, between us. Like uh, endurance, for example, are, are usually at the, at the lowest block of, of, of poverty when it comes to Latin Americans. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is a culture shock. Um, Cuban Americans are known to be business owners. They're they're known to be carpenters and stuff like that because that's they had to build stuff. Mm -hmm. They had an island where they had nothing, and they had to build something out of nothing. So do you know yeah, how, how build our communities? Do you know how African Americans view view um view what I'm trying to say? Do you know how we view it? 
uh, some of us. But we we look at we look at uh, we look at that as like being the A train and the slave ship being the A train and those islands being different stops coming yeah. up town. So well, we look at we, you see what I'm saying. So we look at. When they look when they when they look at you, they don't look at you as a Cuban American first. They look at you as black man. So it's so it's black people spread out through all through through the whole world. So when you start talking about the disparities, we I I believe black people born here have a lot more empathy than talking about the difference between Puerto Rican people and Dominican people and Honduras people and and Haitian people because it, we we look at we look at how they look at us black first. Yeah, I, I get it. I just. That doesn't change who I am. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm saying how we look at it. Do you do you realize how we look at it? Yeah, I I, I do. Okay. And I realize that some white people look at me as lesser than them, but that doesn't. I, I don't care what I, I don't care what any like anybody thinks right. of where I came from or where I'm from. It doesn't affect my life. Okay. You know who affects my life? I directly affect my life. It's not. It's not uh, something that happens. It doesn't mean that I forget what happened to my ancestors. It means that the reason why I'm here, the reason why my my cousins were executed, was so I can make it to here where I am. And I need to honor their legacy by moving my family and my name forward. So Absolutely. And I would suggest I would suggest what you're saying. That's the way African Americans feel about the people that have died and 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 marched. And been through atrocities that we couldn't even imagine. That's how we live in honor of the ancestors. That's the commonality that I'm talking about. Yes. That's what I'm talking about, brother. <laughs> and on that note, one more last question because we're going to wrap this interview up. I love it. Um, you say your, your group is against mass incarceration and privatization of prisons. Yes. I looked back, looked back, it seemed like that really got going again underneath the Reagan administration. And so, you know, the crack era, crack boy era, everybody gets, it's, it is black African Americans and uh, African descent people that are just coming out of prison right now from the New Jack City age in the 80s, from those laws that were set, set in stone with the Republican Party. Got anything to say about that? <laughs> I thought, I thought that was... Reagan's biggest mistake was a drug war. The two biggest mistakes that Reagan has made was pretty much launching the drug war and launching the federal sentencing guidelines. Those are the two biggest travesties in American justice that has ever happened. I like Reagan on everything else except that, but that was a huge blunder on Reagan's part. Um, and I can see that objectively, that that, that happened, you know? Um, but yes, that's that's something that we fight. And as a matter of fact, we held a press conference with the leader of BLM after that private meeting, and we decided that we want to work together on legislation at the Utah state level to push something that at least we both agree on. And the two things we agree on is one, the the, the failed drug war, right? The sentencing mm -hmm. guidelines, yes, uh, which is included in that. And then the third thing is prisons for profit, private prisons. Yes. You know, and you got you got you got people that own stocks in private prisons. There's there's another there's form of slavery. Country. Another form of slavery, my brother. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. And, and Mike, 
Killer Mike says another thing. He has these t-shirts that are really cool. That has a cool message that says, kill your masters. And the only way that we're going to kill our masters is not only go ahead and push back against the government, but also become business owners ourselves. Economic so empowerment. Encourage that in, in the black community to own a business. Stop working for people. Yes. Stop working for the man. Yes. Work for yourself. Be the man. Look, 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 look. jobs and create more small businesses. That's, that's. And, and patronize your own business, your own your own community's business, so our dollar will stay in our community longer than six hours. We're going to wrap up this interview. You said something about Killer Mike's t-shirt. I got a cool t-shirt on. <laughs> it says, black lives, black deaths, black pain, black tears, black hope, and black matters. And we're going to end that inter this interview right now. I am so appreciate it. I appreciate this. So I'm so honored. Thank you. We have a lot more in common than we have in differences. Uh, most of all, this right here. <laughs> and thank you, Enrique. You are welcome to come back to the Captain Cash Show anytime. Shit, shit. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate you guys. And you guys need to keep listening to Kathy. And if you're on YouTube, whatever you're on, you need to subscribe to her so you can listen to her show every time she's on. That's right. Kathy Cash Show IG, Kathy Cash Show Facebook. Join us. Shit, ching. Thank you, Enrique. It's been, Enrique, it's been so great. Much. It's been great. Appreciate you. <laughs>